Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here, 17 floors above Madison Square Garden, right here in New York City. The tech tyrants are at it again, and now they're testifying. Now, you know, yesterday there was a huge fallout because they took down a video of America's frontline doctors who had a press conference in D.C., and they decided, you know what, we're going to take this off of social media. So members of Congress are going to be grilling the CEOs of Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Amazon to get to the bottom of things because they're censoring anything they feel like censoring. And the question is, are they allowed to censor this stuff because they're private companies or are they, in fact, the media? In one case, they'll have certain protections. In another case, they won't. And there's a mess going on up on the Hill today as they testify. And you're going to hear from Jim Jordan and uh, Representative Cicilline in a little bit. But I want to talk about what they censored yesterday, which was the video of a dozen or so doctors doing a press conference uh, out by the Supreme Court in Washington, D.C., a group led by Dr. Simone Gold, known as America's Frontline Doctors, discussing their experiences being on the front lines, working in ERs, working directly with patients, not doctors like Dr. Fauci but more so doctors that are dealing with patients. One doctor, Dr. Stella Emanuel, says she's treated more than 350 patients, just her, in her clinic in Houston, Texas, and that no one has to die. Listen to this. I'm Dr. Stella Emanuel. I'm a primary care physician in Houston, Texas. You know, I actually uh, went to medical school in West Africa, Nigeria, where I took care of malaria patients, treated them with hydroxychloroquine and stuff like that. So I'm actually used to these medications. I'm here because I have personally treated over 350 patients with COVID. Patients that have diabetes, patients that have high blood pressure, patients that have asthma, old people. I think my oldest patient is 92, 87 year olds. And the result has been the same. I put them on hydroxychloroquine, I put them on zinc, I put them on Zitromax, and they are all well. For the past few months, I've taken care of over 350 patients. We've not lost one, not a diabetic, not a somebody with high blood pressure, not somebody with asthma, not an old person. We've not lost one patient. And on top of that, I've put myself, my staff, and many doctors that I know on hydroxychloroquine for prevention because by the very mechanism of action, it works early and as a prophylaxis. We see patients, 10 to 15 COVID patients every day. We give them breathing treatments. We only wear surgical masks. None of us has gotten sick. It works. I came here to Washington, D.C. to say, America, nobody needs to die. Woo! This doctor's on fire. She's keeping a gangster. She was trained in Africa and now practices here in the United States, but she wasn't done. She also says that if you want to call her out, that you're a fake scientist and she wants to see your evidence to prove that hydroxychloroquine doesn't work. 
She even calls out CNN doctor Sanjay Gupta. Check this out. NIH, National Institute of, of Health. So if the NIH knows that treating the patient with hydroxychloroquine proves that hiccup is a symptom of COVID, then they definitely know that hydroxychloroquine works. I'm upset. Why I'm upset is that I see people that cannot breathe. I see parents walk in. I see diabetics sit in my office knowing that this is a death sentence and they can't breathe. And I hug them and I tell them, it's going to be okay. You're going to leave. And we treat them and they leave. None has died. So if some fake science, some person sponsored by all these fake pharma companies comes out and say, oh, we've done studies and they found out that it doesn't work, I can tell you categorically it's fake science. I want to know who is sponsoring that study. I want to know who is behind it. Because there is no way I can treat 350 patients and counting and nobody is dead and they all did better. And then you're going to tell me that you treated 20 people, 40 people and, and it didn't work. I'm a true testimony. One thing is for sure that Dr. Emanuel's bringing hope in her message. She's keeping it real based on her experiences, saying no American has to die. And if this is the hill that she has to die on, she's willing to do it. God bless her. We need more physicians and more anybody, more radio people, more cops, more firefighters, more teachers, more university professors. Everybody needs to take this stance to realize that the future of America is on the line. Listen to Dr. Emanuel declare that she, in effect, has cured people with hydroxychloroquine. So I came here to Washington, D.C. to tell America, nobody needs to get sick. This virus has a cure. It is called hydroxychloroquine, zinc, and zitromax. I know you people want to talk about masks. Hello? You don't need masks. There is a cure. I know they don't want to open schools. No, you don't need to, people to be locked down. There is prevention and there is a cure. And let me tell you something. All you fake doctors out there that tell me, oh yeah, I want a double-blinded studies. I just tell you, quit sounding like a computer, double-blinded, double-blinded. Is you, I don't know whether your chips are malfunctioning, but I'm a real doctor. I have radiologists, we have plastic surgeons, we have neurosurgeons like Sanjay Gupta saying, oh yeah, it doesn't work and it causes heart disease. Let me ask you, Dr. Sanjay Gupta, hear me. Have you ever seen a COVID patient? Have you ever treated anybody with hydroxychloroquine and they died from heart disease? When you do, come and talk to me. Because I sit down in my clinic every day and I see these patients walk in every day, scared to, scared to death. I see people driving two, three hours to my clinic because some ER doctor is scared of the Texas board or they are scared of something and they will not prescribe medication to these people. I tell all of you doctors that are sitting down and watching Americans die. You're like the good Nazi, the good what, the good Germans that watch Jews get killed and you do not speak up. So, guys, we don't need to die. There is a cure for COVID. Oh my God. Well, I joined them in applauding Dr. Emanuel because I think what she's talking about is really important. And you know what? When people are dying, you do absolutely that. You know, one day my kid told me, Dad, I was really impressed one day when Grandpa was choking and he couldn't breathe and you did what you had to do to save him. Now, I was a caregiver to my dad for many years and he had a brain injury that just messed him up in so many different ways. It affected his ability to swallow and he would choke very easily. So I've done the Heimlich maneuver on him several times, but this wasn't what she was talking about. This was him choking on fluid, liquid, something soft that wouldn't come up with the Heimlich maneuver. And I wasn't able to scoop it out. I couldn't get it. And he was choking for like two minutes straight and he had stopped coughing. I got really nervous. And the only thing I could think of was when this has happened in the hospital, 
The nurse comes in very quickly and hooks up a tube to the suction device on the wall and just uses a high-powered vacuum to suck it out of the back of his throat. That's something I didn't have. But what I did have was a recently washed in the dishwasher turkey baster. So I grabbed that as best I could, wiped it down, hooked it up to the hose on the vacuum, which probably wasn't very clean, but I was in a life or death situation. And the clean part that came out of the dishwasher is what I used to jam it into the back of my dad's throat, got what was lodged in his throat, got it out, and he breathed again and he thanked me and the kids were like, wow. And you know, it was kind of like an experience where you're holding your breath the entire time and your heart is beating like in the movies when you just hear that heartbeat sound. It was really scary. But that's what comes to mind when I hear this type of thing. And I realize, you know what? When you're trying to save someone's life, you have to do absolutely everything. Sports analogy, which I'm very bad at, by the way. You have to leave it all on the field. So kudos to Dr. Emmanuel. But she ticked off a lot of people. Why? Well, apparently Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg felt that she was giving misinformation that even though he's a tech CEO and she's a doctor and has treated 350 patients and as you heard her say, has not lost a single patient. Not an old one, not a young one, not a fat one, not a diabetic one. She's 0 for 350. Or is that 350 and 0? I never know how to say that right. But anyway, she's got an amazing record with her patients. That wasn't good enough for him. Listen to what Mark Zuckerberg had to say about protecting Facebook users from the misinformation of a doctor who saved 350 patients. We do not prohibit discussion around uh, trials of drugs um, or, or people saying that they, they think that things might work or personal experiences with experimental uh, drugs. But if someone is going to say that, that something is proven um, when in fact it is not, that, that could lead people but Wouldn't uh, that be to, up to for somebody on health. the other side of the issue to say that this is not proven? And, you know, I know as a fact that, you know, for people with certain conditions, it's contraindicated and they shouldn't take it on that. But wouldn't that be up to somebody else, you know, to say, okay, what somebody posted on this really isn't true. And here's what the facts are, rather than uh, having uh, a Twitter or a Facebook take it down. Congressman, in general, I agree with you and we do not. Uh, want to become the arbiters of, of truth. Uh, I think that that would be um, a, a bad position for us to be in and, and not, uh, not what we should be doing. But on specific claims, um, if someone is going to go out and say uh, that, uh, that hydroxychloroquine is proven to cure COVID, when in, in fact um, it has not been proven to cure COVID, and, and that that uh, statement could lead people uh, to, to take a drug that, that in some cases um, some of the data suggests that it might be harmful to people. Um, we think that we should take that down. That could cause imminent risk of harm. Now, all of that comes after the back and forth between my hero for today, Congressman Jim Jordan, Congressman Mike Cicilline, who was chairing the hearing. Listen to this and make sure you put on your mask. Before I yield back, Mr. Chairman, we have a colleague. I would ask unanimous consent that uh, Mr. Johnson, the ranking member of the Constitution subcommittee be allowed to participate in today's hearing, which is our customary practice for subcommittee hearings. The gentleman makes a unanimous consent request. Mr. Chairman, I would object. Objection is heard. And now have the pleasure Mr. Chairman, of using today's why are we Why are we not allowing, it is customary. Mr. Jordan, there was a unanimous consent request. Objection was heard. And now we'll introduce our witness. This has never happened. It is now my pleasure to introduce today's witnesses. 
Our first witness is Jeff Bezos, the chief executive officer. Mr. Jordan, I have the time. But this is the ranking Our member of the witness, We're talking about people's liberties here. We got the ranking Jordan, member. Mr. Jordan, you made a unanimous consent request. Objection was heard. Those are our rules. Objection was. It is now my pleasure the, to introduce today's witnesses. By the Mr. Our first witness is professor. Jeff Bezos, the chief officer of Amazon.com. Mr. Bezos founded Amazon in 19. 19- Excuse me. I'm going to remind members of this committee: unless you are speaking, our rules require you to wear a mask. According to the attending physician. No, I'm speaking about another member of this committee. Now, the topic of this uh, tech tyranny, if you will going on in Washington has been going on for quite a while. And it's the same thing we've seen with the news, with the New York Times and other print media. We see it a lot. I think the only place where you can have a dissenting opinion nowadays is in talk radio and podcasting as that grows. But everybody's weighing in on this topic, including President Donaldus Magnus El Trumpito, the 45th president of the United States, Donald J. Trump. He says via Twitter this, quote, If Congress, if, let me do it in my Trump voice. If Congress doesn't bring fairness to big tech, which they should have done years ago, I'll do it myself with an executive order. In Washington, it's been all talk and no action for years. And the people of our country are sick and tired of it. I agree with you, Mr. President. I'm always working on my Trump impression, by the way. And he's right. If you can't go to Facebook and treat it like the public square... I guess that's their prerogative because they're a private company, but eventually people are going to say, you know what, screw you, I don't, I'm not going to use it as much. And guess what? I'm one of those people. I haven't used Facebook as much as I used to. In fact, I rarely use it. It's a one-way street for me. I just share the stuff about my podcast. I put it out there. I don't really get involved in too much back and forth because I realize that there are other platforms like Parler, P-A-R-L-E-R.com, that allow you to put your stuff out there And it really isn't held back. And the reason I know is because I'll put something on Facebook, I'll put something on Twitter, I'll put the same thing on Parler, and I'll get an incredible amount of engagement, uh, an incredible amount of impressions, because people are free. Nobody's blocking anything from being seen, which is not the case. And I talk about this all the time, but James O'Keefe, I thought, did a great job exposing the shadow bans that they use in Twitter. And when you have a chance, Google it. James O'Keefe, Project Veritas, Shadow Ban, Twitter. I mean, it'll blow you away the way they talk about this stuff. It's literally a bunch of left-leaning progressive types that are working in California, in the Silicon Valley. They work for Twitter. They work for different tech companies, ultimately, is my assessment of this. And it's all groupthink. Everybody thinks and feels the same way. They would never hire a guy like me because they don't want diversity and they don't respect diversity. Now, last week on my radio show, I had a dear friend who's working on an anti-racist project. That is not necessarily something that I agree with, but I felt, let's have a respectful, civil discussion, a conversation. I didn't jump down her throat. She didn't jump down my throat. There were points of, uh, I guess, disagreement or contention, but I heard her out. She heard me out. It was a very short, uh, limited segment. We only had about 10 minutes. It was live radio. So I couldn't stick around and ask all the questions I wanted to. But the point I'm making is that we can have civility. The public discourse can be respectful. It can be civil. However, that's only if both participants are willing to have a civil discussion. If you have a participant that's like, nah, I'm not really here to talk. I'm here to tell you what I want to say. 
to put you into a box, kind of like we saw with the hearings with Attorney General Barr yesterday, where Pramila Jayapal and others tried to box him in, asking him questions and then reclaiming their time so that he couldn't answer. Basically, they wanted to make a statement in his face and not allow him to respond. And they threatened him with being uh, under oath as if, you know, indicating or trying to uh, insinuate that he may perjure himself. It was very disrespectful. They're not members of the media who I think can occasionally become hostile and it's expected to some degree. But they're public servants. They're representatives of districts within their states, part of the same government, despite it being a different branch. And I think there's a degree of civility that Congress has always required. I mean, as a matter of fact, Jim Jordan, who I joked around with once on the phone and told him, how do you get away with not wearing a jacket anywhere? And he said, oh, no, I always I always wear my jacket uh, on the House floor. And once I sit down, I can take it off. And that highlights the importance of decorum, the importance of respect, the importance of civility when you're in the people's house. But it seems so many people have forgotten it. People have put liberty asunder, replacing it with tyranny, replacing it with their own quest for power. And that's just wrong. Put your mask on. That's got to be one of the funniest things that I've heard from that cut that we heard. And it's sad at the same time that these guys are just going off on a limb. These people are falling apart at the seams. And when I say these people, I mean the Democrats. They're literally losing control. They're falling apart because they don't stand for anything. People are only voting for Biden because they're trying to paint him as the anti-Trump. Okay, that's fine if you want to polarize people that way. But what is it that you actually offer? What is it that you actually bring to the table? Nada. Not a damn thing. But we're going to get into a couple of... Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. More things, so I want you to keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. You're listening to This Is America. This is America. If you're looking to make an impact, there's no better place to do it than the U.S. Army. Whether your goal is to be at the forefront of fighting and curing deadly diseases, developing and using tools and technologies the world doesn't even know exist, or defending your country, fighting disasters, and seeking adventure across the globe. The Army is where all of that can happen, and so much more. The U.S. Army is a team of a million unique and powerful individuals working together to take on the most complex problems in the nation and the world, and to win. Nowhere else on Earth provides you with the training and experience and purpose you can find with the Army. Because no other team has so many people around the globe with the goal of making the world safer, the country stronger, and the future of their communities better. If you're looking to secure a future for you and your family, ask yourself, what's your warrior? And go to GoArmy.com to find out. Over 150 jobs, one calling. Find your future. Visit GoArmy.com slash NYC. This is America. 
All right, America, welcome back. Bienvenido. I am Rich Valdez, and you're still here with me on This is America. All of the tech CEOs are still testifying, and we're going to bring you updates on that as we have them. But I want to talk about just national headlines for a second, because there's still violence going on in Seattle. There's still violence going on in Portland. And the Department of Homeland Security just announced that, no, they're challenging the claim that the governor of Oregon has made saying that the feds are planning a phased withdrawal. Looks like the feds are there to stay, and God bless them for it. We need law and order. Law and order, not just because Trump says it or because I like the show on Channel 4, but because it literally protects our markets. They're a lot steadier when things are safe. Thankfully, the Federal Reserve is holding rates steady, so we don't have to worry about a a rate drop or a rate hike right now which could make things more volatile, economically speaking. And that's because President Trump seems to be the kind of guy that doesn't want to rock the boat. In fact, just earlier this morning, as I was driving here, I heard a news report that just under 12,000 American troops are leaving Germany. Some are being deployed, I guess, to other places, but more than 6,000 of them, I think the number was 6,400 troops are returning back home to the U.S. Truth be told... I'm one of those hawkish warmonger types. I really am. Father, forgive me. But I believe in peace through strength, and I believe in throwing the first punch. However, I understand there's a lot of people that are not in agreement with me, and that's okay. And for those of you who don't agree, then you'd be thrilled to know that Trump has probably brought more troops home than anybody else. And that's important, because we have to deal with domestic issues. We've got members of the so-called squad the socialist squad that are continuing to grow their tentacles into other districts, into statewide uh, assembly seats, state senate seats, city council seats in different parts of the country. But there is a little bit of trouble in the ranks. I'm looking at a headline that says, Colorado's Democrat governor, who I believe to be Jared Polis, who's one of the four horsemen from that book I told you about, The Blueprint, that they took literally a, a decade or more to take over and flip Colorado from being a red state to a blue state. This guy's a big lefty. I mean, they attached their entire movement to the LGBTQ movement and used that as the wedge to isolate people all throughout Colorado. But this report says that he's donated to Ilhan Omar's opponent. I never thought I'd say this, but kudos to you. Because I think Ilhan Omar is someone whose policies do not help America. I don't even know if they help her district. I think she's one of the people that the Soviets, when they would uh, try to subvert people with their ideology, she's one of those people that they would call a useful idiot. Someone who doesn't realize the damage they're doing. They're not insulting her intelligence. But basically, she would do their work for them, thinking she's doing it for something else. It's a whole technique that they use. And if we have time, I'll try and grab some audio that I think is really telling and play it for you in the third segment. But another interesting headline is this one with the uh, McCloskeys. That's the guy in the pink shirt and the khakis that came out barefoot with an AR-15 when the the BLM people, according to one side, were uh, peaceably walking down his private street, did not destroy his gate, and just went about their business, according to him. And the video that I saw, they destroyed the gate, they went into the private street and the private community, 
they shouted things. People were saying that they would set his house on fire. They were saying, that's going to be my bedroom once you're gone, blah, 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 indicating that they were going to kill him, which is why he went and grabbed his gun. And now there's a new report that says at least one quote unquote protester, which we I guess we can call an agitator or a rioter or a criminal, at least one criminal from that pack, in fact, was armed. And that's new information that's coming out. And speaking of mobs, one Antifa member I saw earlier today is a communist woman with really short hair uh, who's a known communist and she's been agitating for quite a while and she may be one of the bomb throwers that set a police car on fire. And in a separate case, this is interesting, Antifa kid who threw bomb at feds in Portland may have been identified by his own grandma who was bragging. This is from BizPack Review. This is interesting. Check this out. According to their article, by Vivek Saxena, a left-wing extremist who threw a firebomb at the federal courthouse in Portland, Oregon, has allegedly been identified as a punk kid whose terrorism is funded in part by his grandma. Video footage out of Portland that was recorded late Monday evening and early Tuesday morning showed the left-wing extremist throwing IED-like devices at the federal courthouse. And there's video of it on Twitter. right that's enough for me but yeah he set off an explosive went off inside the federal courthouse and this is something that his grandma applauded so it's believed that the child pictured in the tweet is the extremist who threw the firebomb what's interesting about this is that a week ago on july 21st a 65 year old woman left a review on the website of hibbit sporting goods for a reflexive vest that's designed to look like a grown man's bulletproof vest I got this for my grandson, who's a protester downtown. He uses it every night and says it's doing a good job, the grandma proudly wrote. And in effect, there's a photo. The writer says, do you notice the resemblance? In the event that these are the same people, it would appear that the fire bomber is a punk grandma's boy whose terrorism, or at least some of it, is being funded by his nana. That's funny. This unsurprising revelation has naturally made the kid a target of mockery if you want to be a terrorist or going up against grown men who want to be terrorists. Many of them have likely served overseas, but this guy, he just buys it at the sporting goods store, and it's not even a real bulletproof vest. Go figure. The author continues, there's probably enough video footage to get the kid arrested and sent to federal prison. He surmises, federal prison is probably not a fun place for little boys. I think that's crazy, but you know, good on him for getting caught, because bad on him for throwing freaking bombs. Who told you to be a pendejo and throw a freaking firebomb at a federal court? Keep it locked right there. When we come back, I want to share something with you about an episode I did last September, and we're dealing with a similar topic, plus something funny I want you to hear. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. In times like these, it's so important that we focus on the facts. I always tell you to focus on the facts. I think you hear that everywhere you go, and that's because facts are irrefutable. It's the bottom line. It's the real deal. And in times like this of uncertainty, we need to rely on the facts. I get my facts from JustFacts.com. That's F-A-C-T-S, JustFacts.com. Go to JustFacts.com and sign up for their newsletter. JustFacts.com forward slash rich. Just put my name in there and you'll get it for free. JustFacts.com slash rich. This is America. All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez. 
And last year we did an episode with, I brought in a special guest. I bumped into him in the newsroom. I said, hey, Matt Dahl, I know that you are a huge sports aficionado and I want your opinion on something. Now, Matt Dahl is the assistant program director at WABC Radio in New York City. And he graciously came in and we had a conversation about the controversy at the time was Major League Baseball, MLB, not to be confused with BLM, was telling players heading into the 9-11 uh, memorial time in September that they could not use 9-11 first responder insignias or special hats that they had, the first responder Mets hats and whatnot. They couldn't use them at their game. They allowed them to have spring training with them and practice with them, but they didn't allow them for actual games. And a lot of people were outraged and saying, you know what, that's not cool. How could that happen? And I think the same thing happened with the Yankees. And I remember at the time I was saying, look, I'm an um, incredibly sports illiterate person. Uh, other than boxing and UFC, I really don't follow baseball, football, basketball. It's just not my thing. But I found it interesting that Joe Torre, being a big honcho at the Yankee, I think uh, at the Yankee organization, I should say, I believe that he was the chief baseball officer. That sounds really big. It's like a CBO. It's probably a couple levels away from the CEO, at least in my estimation. And he didn't bat an eye. And I thought, man, this is an outrage. And in the episode from, I think it was the, the maybe the, the week before, the week after 9-11, last year, 2019, I was outraged and I felt like we were losing our patriotism and America was just headed the wrong way culturally in terms of the national spirit, if you will. Lo and behold, here we are a year later. We didn't even have baseball for a while. And when we get baseball back, they're on their knees during the national anthem or right before the national anthem. And they're holding like a black sash and they're doing all this stuff. And it seems like political theater to me. But that they were allowed to do that and have patches and whatever and whatnot for BLM on their uniform, but they weren't allowed last September to honor the first responders and the fallen from the biggest terror attack on our country. And I thought that was wrong. I thought it was stupid, but I also thought it was wrong. But I think I'm not the only one. Apparently, there's a station down in Florida, I believe, 105.9, that had something really, really funny that they uh, put on their airwaves and I want to share it with you. Check this out. With the way we're going right now, when we have a regular NFL season next year, this is what it's going to be like. And we're back at Social Justice Stadium. The kneeling of the national anthem just wrapped up and now the opening drive for the Washington Snowflakes. Snowflakes start at their own 25, handed off up the middle for a gain of five. I can't believe they just took someone's land like that. Wait, what's this? <laughs> Looks like the coach of the Snowflakes is offering an official apology, and now they're giving the five yards back. Well, that was the right thing to do. Second down now, quarterback drops back, throws down the sideline, and incomplete. I think they're going to review this one. Let's take a look. Yeah, looks like the ball hit the ground first. Let's hear from the referee. After further review, the receiver did not catch the ball, but it looked like he really, really tried like super hard to catch it, so we're calling it a completion and giving him a participation trophy. Wow, now the defender seems very triggered by the reversal. Looks like they're sending the team psychologist out there for one-on-one -on -one counseling. He just needs a little time in a safe space and he'll be back. Fresh set of downs for the Snowflakes. Ball is snapped. The QB throws deep and it's caught in the end zone. Touchdown, Snowflakes. Oh, normally the crowd would be going wild, but that's just an affirmation of aggression and this crowd's too woke 
look for that. The coaches now are meeting with the refs, and yep, they're awarding both teams a touchdown on that one. Well, it's only fair. I predict this game is going to end in a tie. Remember, the concept of winners and losers is merely a social construct. We'll take a quick break and be back after this word from Gillette, makers of the Trans 5 Razor. The razor for the man who identifies as a woman, but whose beard is still entrenched in the patriarchy. Stick around. You're watching the (laughs) NFL on MSNBC. (laughs) Now, that makes me laugh because it is a funny video, and I really enjoyed it. But it really makes me wonder, why do people think it's okay to do all of these crazy things? Like, why are we constantly creating new normals? Why is it wrong for us to actually do what we've always done? Right? Like, so for example, I don't know, being married, marrying a woman, having a kid or two or three Saving money, buying a house, maybe buying a second home, having some investments, making money while you're young and healthy so you can retire. That's a kind of normal thing. It's part of the American dream, at least as far as I know it. Why is it that we're creating this new normal? Like if you want to be different from that, you can. Nobody's saying you have to get married, you have to buy a house, you have to do this. You can do something else. But why is it now the thing to encourage people to deviate from the norm? I know the answer. I'm just trying to point out that it's happening. And it's happening very quickly and very aggressively. Now, I get it. I see why people want to be Bernie bros. I really do. I don't agree, but I see it. People like to get high, smoke a little ganja, and they like to watch YouTube conspiracy videos. I get that. I know a lot of people, coast to coast, and they all inbox me (laughs) through social media, sending me videos and stuff. And I'm like, all right, thanks. I appreciate that. I really do get it. There's a certain reality, and I'm going to liken it to fighting a fire. The Bernie bro is not necessarily always a communist or always a socialist. Many times, the Bernie bro is just somebody that says, you know what? There's too much corruption on Wall Street. Too many of these dudes are making money. It's unfair to the people. It's difficult for anybody else to move ahead, and they become righteously indignant. And I get that. They believe that if they're paying taxes, that they should be able to help their fellow man with health care. They believe that they should be able to help illegal immigrants with a hand up. I understand their position despite disagreeing with it. However, when you use the context of the analogy I'm using, which is a fire, there are truly only two elements. The third one is inconsequential. See, when you're fighting a fire, there's fire and then there's La pompa, right? The fire hydrant. So you crack open the fire hydrant and you use high-pressured water to put out the fire. Pretty simple. I'm sure it's intricate for those that are firefighters. Speaking of firefighters, quick tangent. Last weekend, the grill in my backyard was uh, acting up and a little fire broke out and I saw it from uh, my kitchen window. And it was my sister-in-law. She was out in the yard doing some steaks or whatever. And I said, man, let me go take a look and see how I can save the day. So I go to the back door. I'm like, oh, snap. Let me uh, turn off the gas and put the fire out. And before I could do anything, she said, oh, I already turned off the gas. And I looked to my left and there was my neighbor, Richie Flynn. Huge shout out to Richie Flynn. I believe he was once chief of the Richfield Park Fire Department. He's still a firefighter. And he just grabbed the garden hose and started doing his thing. And in like, no lie, 45 seconds, it was out. 
in a minute, he was like, all right, I'm jumping back in my pool. Because he was dripping wet. He was in his pool, and he was right next door. Great timing. Thank God. Big shout out to the Ridgefield Park Fire Department and to Richie Flynn. But back to my analogy. We've got a fire and high-pressured water, and we're shooting the water at the fire, so the fire goes out. It's oversimplifying, but I think you get the point. That's how you put out the fire. When you're a Bernie bro, you're looking at the fire and you're like, you know what, these firemen, you know, if they were to do this or do that, you know, maybe things would be a little different. Then you're going to blame the homeowner. If the homeowner would have done this and done that, then maybe, you know, we could have had this and you want to blame both sides and that's okay. You can do that. But guess what's happening? The freaking building's burning down. The house is going to be toast. So while you're sitting there saying that, all oh, this two-party system is the worst and this one's making too much and it's unfair and it keeps this one downtrodden and blah, 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 you keep singing that song if that's what makes you happy. But just know that everything's getting burnt down. Everything is going to hell while you're sitting there complaining about inequity. So I ask you, in a situation where America's burning to the ground and a vote for Trump is literally the only way to stop the other side from continuing to burn down the rest of the country, are you going to be on the sidelines? Are you going to help burn America down? Who are you going to be? I know who I'm going to be. I'm going to back up the firefighters. I'm going to help throw water at the fire because I've been doing this stuff long enough to know that if I keep complaining, nothing's going to happen. If I keep looking to television and talk radio and for that guy and the other one and this one and that one, To be the hero, to be the savior, everything gets burnt down, goes straight to hell. There's only one way I can make a difference. It's for me to grab the hose and point it at the fire. There's only one way that I can make a difference, and that's for me to get into the voting booth and pull the lever for Donald J. Trump, El Trumpito, Donaldus Magnus, the 45th president of the United States. It's not about fanaticism for Trump. It's about fanaticism for America. It's about loving America despite the beginnings that we had. Guess what? Other countries started in a very similar way. And those that didn't, they've always been the way they are. I don't know too much Chinese history, but as far as I've known, China's been China. That's why when you go to China, most people are Chinese. Kind of like Sweden. When you go to Sweden, most people are Swedish. And so many of those nations. You want to meet white people? Go to the Netherlands. Want to meet Chinese people? Go to China. You want to meet all kinds of people? go to America. That's just the reality. Now, some people might say, oh, I'm 76 years old. Oh, I'm 87 years old. I remember when for every white man, there was, hey, good for you. It's not the world I grew up in. I'm 42. America's been a mixed bag as far as I can remember. I'm not about to jump on the bandwagon that says I'm against multiculturalism when I'm a guy that buys Goya products and grew up with parents that spoke Spanish. But one thing they had in common, boy, They loved America. They taught us to love God. They taught us to love our country. And that's what I intend to do. And that's what I hope you do too. Hasta la próxima, America. Until next time, America, I leave you with the words of Hamilton. If you stand for nothing, you will fall for anything. And the wise words of Sir Edmund Burke and others that say that the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing. The only thing necessary for that building to burn down is for you to be a Bernie bro and complain and do nothing. Don't be a Bernie bro. Grab the hose. Be the firefighter. Be a patriot. Love your country and vote for Donald Trump. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. 
This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com.